As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Emma G podcast. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and this show is going to follow a slightly different format from what you might be used to. Regular listeners of the show will know it's normally a long-form interview with an expert or experts in a specific field. While there will be interviews, my guests in this episode are real women. I'm calling this, lovingly, the Elimination Podcast because towards the end of 2016, it felt as though I was hearing a lot from features in magazines and online, various books, social media feeds, about the benefits of eliminating either gluten, dairy or sugar from your diet. Like many of us, I am really susceptible to these kind of stimulus, especially if I think the result will be weight loss. I've nearly bought one of those waist trainers from an ad that popped up on my Facebook feed. I bought a sweatsuit after one particularly indulgent Christmas a few years ago. And I bought a 30-day supply of weight loss pills after reading a feature that gave them a five-star rating online. And guess what? None of them turned me into the best version of myself. Elimination, though, is a tricky topic. I'm incredibly wary of anything that promotes cutting something out entirely as it strikes me as being unsustainable, unrealistic and unnecessarily restrictive. For me personally, I'm one of those people who is simultaneously trying to live my best life whilst also unintentionally sabotaging it. And often the way I manage the latter is with food and exercise. And the reason I'm able to sabotage myself so easily, I think, is in large part because of an abundance of information, sometimes conflicting information, about how to achieve my ultimate goal, to have a healthy body and be at a healthy weight. To give you context, last year alone, I did Weight Watchers, the slow carb diet, I counted my macros, and at one point I set myself a goal, a very stupid goal, which I do not recommend to anybody, of eating 600 calories a day and hammering the weights room in the gym. The result? At the end of last year, I was in terrible shape and I chastised myself constantly, not for making stupid decisions about my diet and fitness, but for not being in the right headspace to get the results I wanted. The real problem was that I was flitting from one unsustainable regime to the next, so no wonder my body was confused. Now, some of you may relate to what I'm saying, while there will be some listeners who think I am potty. But I made a commitment to myself that my days of following this fad and that trend were over. The only thing that's important for me to achieve my goal is to live a lifestyle I can maintain and to be realistic about what that is. So my goal with this podcast is to be responsible. 
I certainly don't want to perpetuate anything negative or add more confusion to what can be a really bamboozling topic. But here are the facts. Some of us have intolerances and dairy and gluten are common ones. If you aren't feeling in the best health, perhaps you are having issues with your digestive system, you feel sluggish or have any reactions after you eat, then seek advice from your GP and or get a food intolerance test done. In terms of sugar, there's more and more information appearing every single day that suggests there is no benefit at all to having added sugar in our diet. There are plenty of articles about this, and in this podcast, when it comes to the facts and figures, I will be providing those links in the show notes to relevant articles, should you wish to embark on any further reading. The podcast began because my interest in elimination was peaked, and so I put out a Facebook post in December last year, just after Christmas, and asked the following question. Hey Facebook pals, have any of you eliminated either gluten, sugar or dairy from your diet for six months or more and noticed an improvement in your health? Please DM me if you would be happy to take part in a feature. Kiss kiss. I was genuinely blown away by the response. I had nearly 100 direct messages and so many comments under the post. And I was surprised because I had incorrectly assumed this kind of elimination was what film stars did to lose weight for a role under the guidance of a nutritionist. Or it meant making really huge compromises in your daily life that just weren't sustainable over a long period. And I genuinely had not realised how many of my pals had made this kind of a change and so I thought it was time to bring the topic to the show. What struck me most though was how each person had reached their decision to eliminate based on a desire to find a way of eating that made them feel better. This wasn't about fitting into a particular clothing size or to reach a goal weight That, in some cases, just happened to be an added benefit. If you're interested in this subject, you may have watched the Horizon programme Clean Eating, The Dirty Truth. It's available on iPlayer and the link will be in the show notes. I highly recommend, if you want to watch that, that you also read Zoe Harkham's brilliant piece on her website. Again, the link is in the show notes. It's an excellent read. Another great piece on all of this was written by Judy Johnson at Get The Gloss, and I thought I would get her on the show to talk about all the noise that's out there about diet and fitness. You may be able to tell that all of the calls on this show were done via Skype. Therefore, in places, the audio may be a little bit patchy, but overall, it's pretty good. I know that there are problems. Unfortunately, they're unfixable, but um, it's clear enough that you can hear what all of my guests are saying. But without any further ado, here is Judy Johnson from Get The Gloss talking all things moderation. Judy Johnson from Get The Gloss is here to talk to me about the timing of this podcast, which comes hot on the heels of the Horizon documentary, the link to which is in the show notes. But um, is it fair to say, Judy, that you watched it uh, when it aired, was live tweeting, and that there was potentially some bubbling rage within your soul? Yes, that would be quite accurate. (laughs) Um, yeah, I watched it live because I quite like to sort of tweet along with these things. So I had my tweet deck open and opened up the uh, hashtag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching it just, we I knew it was coming. We'd written about it at work, but I wanted to sort of see it for myself because it did sound really interesting. And yeah, as I was watching it, I was just like, but I don't really agree with that. But I don't really agree with that. And actually, I think someone should question that. And that's why I kind of ended up writing this piece, which, yeah. And it's a brilliant piece. (laughs) And you you talk essentially about, I mean, one of the words that keeps coming up and we've talked briefly before we hit record is moderation. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I think that's one of the biggest things is that I mean we all know moderation is the key we do know that but that doesn't sell books it doesn't you know we wouldn't have the wellness industry if that didn't exist but I think what I was trying to get across was that I don't really think that we anyone's really capable of moderation I, I mean some people are like obviously but I think for the most part most people struggle to do it it's quite a vague term as well like mm. there's never been sort of like massive books about how to do moderation correctly as far as I know and I just think with the clean eating thing I very much felt like although the clean eating movement if you'd like to call it that has a lot to answer for and I think new influencers do as well I also think that we need to take a bit of responsibility ourselves and I think our interpretation of these things is actually what sometimes gets us into the trouble of taking things to the extreme it's not necessarily you know that it's being pushed on us all the time mm. um I think clean eating kind of started for me as I said in the piece the the term itself started as quite a healthy concept is just cut out unprocessed food uh, processed food sorry mm. and have less sugar and that sounds like a really good idea but it's kind of turned into this thing which I think with social media and just the way we take these sort of diets into our lives and kind of embody them as much as possible we just take them to the extreme whereas you know if we just took the simple advice rather than you know taking the language to mean literally cut out all food and call it dirty then that's where the problem um do you think there's a danger of of people eliminating for the sake of it yes I think so I think that's kind of where this program came from I think you know and where this backlash is now coming from is that people like everyone any anyone who's anyone is sort of suddenly deciding to cut out gluten like I know for instance my flatmate I hope she won't mind me saying but she did exactly the same thing she read um get the glow decided that actually perhaps her acne and whatever else was because of gluten so she cut out gluten for a while um she felt good on it so it potentially worked out for her but she's also seeing her gp for various things and i kind of hope she goes down that route as well because it's not to say that it's not right for her but i think a lot of people just read these books or you know see what's online and just take it as oh it worked for them they look great therefore it works for me I mean if anyone saw Ella on that program last night she looked incredible um just glowing like really really glowing and good for her but so obviously you're sort of like oh I I want what she's having but Mm. that's not necessarily what's right for you I don't think Mm. and actually um Amelia Freer wrote an amazing piece for Get the Gloss um a couple of years ago now I think but I, I still think it's one of the best things she's ever written for us um in her column that she used to do and we dubbed it the you diet Mm. and it was about she actually said sort of as qualified as she is which she is um she is not she cannot say what the right diet is for everyone because everyone is individual like Mm. you have to ideally with the help of an expert you have to work out what's right for you and I just think that message is a healthy one and it's so true I mean we know that everyone's bodies are completely different everyone reacts differently to food everyone has a different emotional connection to food as well um I think I was saying to you earlier I've never really had you know any problem in terms of moderation but it's apart from the sugar but whereas the person next to me might have you know real problems with kind of whether they have carbs or you know whatever it is that their issue is I think 
it it has to be individual and I think that's that's my issue with or that was my issue with clean eating as a movement generally is that everyone was kind of swallowing it and I think it's our job as a consumers to be the critics as mm-hmm. well as the media and everyone else um, well, like which say, is why the program's good it's raised some good points but and I like think you it's say, um, you can't take a cookie cutter approach to lots of different people. Whereas, you know, we have these amazing experts and they do have big profiles online and that's an amazing thing, but it can also obviously be manipulated, which is where I think this programme's come from. But I, I absolutely think you're right. I think everyone, it would be amazing if everyone could have access to that advice. And But at the same time, still questions it, thinks about whether it's right for them mm. and doesn't make any rash decisions just because someone else looks good on it. Exactly. It's kind of, yeah, there's no guarantees that it will work for you because your body's completely different. Yes, and it is about uh, individual uh, needs and wants. Um, and Get the Gloss is an amazing resource. You have people like Amelia Freer who've written for you. You have written brilliant pieces. And I, as I said, I will include that link. But um, thank you. To, to summarise, moderation... <laughs> Moderation is it. We'd all we'll all be out of jobs and there'll be no industry. But <laughs> if we can just nail moderation, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> Good point. Uh, well, well said, Judy. Well said. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. The link to Judy's feature is going to be in the show notes. But if you are interested, if you do feel that either dairy, sugar, or gluten are things that you want to think about eliminating, then I've got three real women who have eliminated one of those things. And the first person I'm speaking to is Layla Randall-Cond, who gave up dairy. And she is going to explain how she substituted it, what she went through when she cut it out of her diet. So if it's of interest to you, Layla Randall-Cond may be a helpful resource. So on the subject of dairy, I have the lovely Leila Randall-Cond, who has agreed to chat about how she went about eliminating dairy from her diet. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tell me about why you eliminated dairy from your diet. Um, I've been meaning to do it for absolutely ages um, and it's, it's partly because a few years ago I was, I was going through a rough time and I, I just ate loads of cheese and I, I ate loads of creamy pasta and just piled the pounds on, put about a stone and a half on and I thought if only I could give up cheese, if only I could give up cream and things like that, I, I you know, this, this weight would fall off me. Um, and also it's not so good for your skin either. So I, I was sort of, um, I was, I just got past 35 and I thought to myself, I'd better make some big changes to try and hang on to, you know, whatever little youth I've got left for maybe the next 10 years. If I make some changes to my diet, then I might be able to do that a little bit easier. Um, but the final straw with the dairy thing was the, um, uh, the, the vegan aspect to it. So there's, there's a selfish side to this and there's a compassionate side. Mm. And the selfish side of me was saying, cut all the dairy out of your diet. But the compassionate side kicked in once I was about 35. And I thought, you know what, it's, it's not such a nice industry either, mm. as well as being maybe not so good for me. So that's really what made me cut it out at the age of 35. And or start to kind of think about that. And did you just go for a blanket right as of tomorrow morning? No more dairy in this body. Thank you very much. Well, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I 
gave myself a year last year to go completely vegan. So I started the year um, eating a tiny bit of meat and kind of, you know, still sort of eating a little bit of dairy. Um, I stopped pigging out on cheese. That was a that was a good start. That's a, that's um, a great loss gave, in anyone's life. Yeah. So, so this time last year, I was saying to myself, right, you know, this is going to be a bit of a shock to the system because I love food. Mm. Um, this is going to be a big change. So I'm going to give myself a year and I'm not going to be too hard on myself. But about six months into the year, it was just easier and easier to cut it out. Once you've got over that shock, mm. once you've got over the shock of saying no to the cheese board or not having cheese on toast or, you know, having your coffee black instead of putting milk in it and things like that. Once you've got over that, that, that takes weeks, not months. Mm. Well, it did for me anyway. Yeah, because it is a very comforting part of the diet, isn't it? I mean, cheese, make, I mean, cheese yeah. is, I mean, the endorphins from a cheese, maybe this is me personally, but the endorphins <laughs> from a bit of cheese is like yeah. nothing else. Um, it is, it is, and it is, um, it is quite sort of psychologically addictive, mm. isn't it? And it's also a really staple part of the sort of British way of living, or, you know, cups of tea with, you know, milk. Um, did you substitute straight away? Um, I... I'm a bit of a, a tea head, so I drink tea all the time, and I started trying to find a milk that didn't taste absolutely disgusting in my tea, and I hated all of them. Um, six to eight months on, I just put soy milk in it, and I'm fine. And again, it's just getting used to a different taste. Mm. I mean, to me, soy milk just tasted of misery and despair when I first started to use it. I just <laughs> hated it. So, um, and it just tastes like milk to me now, and it really is just, just getting used to things. So I didn't drink tea for about three months, which I was very upset about um and then uh, I, I spent some time in an animal sanctuary and there was nothing but vegan food in the whole place and you know when I, whenever I'd get cold I'd want a cup of tea to warm myself when I started using soya milk and, and it wasn't so bad but I think what you have to do perhaps is get the dairy out of your system and also forget the taste of it a little bit yeah um I haven't tasted cow's milk for about six months, but it kind of grosses me out now. Mm. And I'm not really sure if I would like the taste of it anymore. Isn't that interesting? Um, for me personally, I've, I gave up milk or dairy uh, only three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, how are you finding it? Actually, um, absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've found my alternative in... If I feel like I, I'm trying to drink coffee black and tea black and whatever, but uh, rice milk yeah. has, has really fitted in incredibly well. I mean, cheese I miss, and don't ask me what will happen when I see a stinky bit of brie or some Stilton. <laughs> but um, also, if you're using alternatives, there's this idea that it's more expensive or that cutting dairy out of your diet means that you then start substituting with things that you have to go to special health food stores for. Is that the case? Um, yes and no. Um, I eat a lot less cheese now than even when I when I cut down on cheese. Um, I, I didn't eat very much of it, but I still eat a lot less now than I used to because I have to go all the way to because my local Sainsbury's in Woolwich mm. doesn't really stock a great vegan range. Mm. So it's got lots of gluten free stuff, etc. But they're not big on vegan cheese and things like that around here. So I have to go to Holland and Barrett. And it is a little bit expensive. So I just eat less of it. So if you're going to eat the same amount of cheese, it probably is a little bit more expensive. Um, mm. It depends on whether you like cheap cheese or whether you like nice cheese. If you like posh cheese and then you substitute it in vegan cheese, maybe the same price. But one of the really good things about the vegan diet is you just you learn to say no to stuff, mm. which doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But <laughs> fitting into your genes that you couldn't fit into last year is kind of makes up for it. Well, let's get into this because you are one of several people who responded on Facebook when I put out the question about eliminating dairy. And every single one of them said, 
the first thing they noticed was a, a physical sort of a leaning out. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, I used to model, so of course I was very, very, I mean, I'm naturally very slim, lean person anyway, um, but I did put a bit of weight on, and then some came off, and I thought, right, this is it now. I'm over 35. I'm not going to be that size again ever in my life. That's it. It's it's done. You know, if I try and, and be that slender again, I'm going to make myself ill. It's not it's not healthy because I'm, I'm older. Mm. Uh, and it just fell off. You know, the, the weight just I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to lose weight or tone up, but it just fell off. I'll tell you what else as well, because I eat a lot more fruit. You need to eat a lot more. If you cut out dairy, along with other things, you kind of need to eat more food. Mm. Um, and so you, you end up snacking on hopefully quite healthy things. Exactly, and actually going to the greengrocers and carrying all the bags of fruit back, you know, does, does <laughs> the arms and stuff. So there's lots of kind of effects and, and knock-on effects that I didn't really expect. But also I think uh, there's this idea that if you cut out dairy, then you'll be deficient or you won't be getting enough calcium. But actually, that's yeah. not true either, is it? Well, you know, in, in the Western diet, we eat too much of everything. Mm. You know, we get too much protein. We get too much vitamin C. We get pretty much too much of everything. So... Um, you're not going to starve. And there are other sources. There's also a school of thought that, that says that, you know, calcium in milk and cheese and so on is maybe not absorbed by the body so well. Oh. So, and I tell you what, when I cut out dairy, I had a really weird kind of, I mean, I felt better. I felt better in myself, which is anecdotal. Mm. You know, that could just be completely psychological. But I felt better, but also my nails and my hair kind of improved. So my hair grew faster and my nails have been stronger and things like that so yeah I I don't personally I don't think dairy is that good for you no certainly not. the quantities that we kind of eat it every day I read a book years ago and I, I was on a trip to LA so it was something I picked up in one of the bookshops there and it just put the thought in my head which I ignored for many many years about the idea that milk is essentially to fatten up a calf to weigh mm -hmm. half a ton and that's I don't that's not anything I really need as a source of energy fuel or have you um, no but I I was addicted to lattes at one point I would probably have three to four lattes a day wow yeah <laughs> so I mean I was like well there's nothing for, I, I was even told I had an intolerance mm. but I ignored it because I was like well I need my latte so um but as you as you pointed out it's not necessarily the source of all the goodness that we think no no and if you if you actually look into it there's there's a lot of marketing i mean if you pick up anything in the supermarket that's got more than five ingredients and you look on the packet it's probably got milk in mm. it's in absolutely everything and it doesn't need to be and there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of kind of you know people that have made a lot of money by bunging milk into everything and farming milk and and refining the process so much that it's you know a very efficient process for us to buy cheap milk and mm. to put it into everything not so good for the animals of course yeah. And so, you know, there's, there is a big, a load of campaigning that tells you that milk is good for you. Yeah. But that's not necessarily industry. objective campaigning. That's not necessarily um, got your, your best interests at heart. And you said in your email to me when we were chatting before the Skype call that um, very quickly you noticed that you lost about three pounds of fat on your abdomen and as a yeah. as women we are obsessed with our abs I know that so many trainers that I interview say all mm. the girls want is you know toned tummies yeah do you attribute do you attribute that to the only that was the only change in your life and yeah yeah very much um I I can't think of any other major change I made around that time um 
Yeah, uh, I'm sort of, you know, I'm quite a lean, sort of naturally quite active person anyway. But this this little, you know, we've all got it, haven't we? The little muffin top, the little the little belly. It's it's halved in size. Even when I'm just sitting around on my backside doing nothing for a couple of weeks, it's not that big. It's not that prominent. And, and also this bit around here as well. I had a, you know, a slightly Layla's chubby face. holding her face just on Yeah, this, this bit here. What we might call the jowls. She both came back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and going into talking about the appearance of the stomach, um, some people have, get rea- are reactive to milk. It can make them bloat. It can give them digestive issues. Did you notice that you were digestively healthier? Um, do you know what? a lot of people are, are lactose intolerant? I've I've never have been, so I've never sort of had a problem with dairy. Um, so I, I didn't really notice that. What I did notice at first, and this scared me to death, is that when I was eating loads of fruit, because you you know if you cut out dairy for the first couple of weeks, you do get quite hungry. Mm. Um, so you you know you could snack on fruits and things like that. Was so that I got a really bloated tummy, mm. and I thought, oh my god, this this dairy-free diet is not suiting me at all it's making me blow but actually it was just it was literally the physical amount of fruit in my belly and by and next morning it would be gone yeah. okay so I was having this weird kind of couple of weeks where my stomach was actually getting smaller but every now and again it would look a lot bigger and it was sort of you know one day it would be right out there and the next day I'd be going oh my goodness you know my, my waist has gone really tiny so that was <laughs> that was quite odd until I worked out what was going on so um to, to end, if you if somebody was listening to this podcast and thinking, right, I'm going to try eliminating dairy, if they wanted to avoid the sort of yo-yo bloat that you had from fruit, in those first couple of weeks, what would you suggest they snack on instead? Oh, um, I, I think just, just don't overfill yourself. Because if, if you get hungry and then you've got a pile of fruit or something, it's really easy to overeat that. So I think just to eat slowly. I mean, I'm a gannet. I eat really quickly and I eat loads as well. Um, so maybe, maybe just not to overeat. And also to, to just cut out one thing at a time mm. and then you won't feel as deprived. Because yeah. I, I kind of cut everything out overnight and then I was ravenously hungry <laughs> and kind of quite miserable because I wanted some cheese. And I think if you're a little bit kinder to yourself and slow it down a bit, you'll probably find it a little bit easier I like the way you um were going to ease yourself into veganism you didn't just make that decision I know a lot of people think right okay I'll I'll go to the supermarket on Saturday I'll plan my Mm -hmm. week and I will be vegan from Monday and it isn't as easy as that actually you have to sort of yeah I I thought it would be a lot more difficult I mean the very very first bit um is is difficult okay so finding something that tastes nice in your tea mm. is is a bit tricky at first and then going okay I'm not going to eat cheese anymore boo hoo hoo um you know that's that's quite a sad moment <laughs> but you know just just one thing at a time I mean I I tried to do one thing at a time and it, it became so easy after a couple of weeks after I got through that difficult phase that it was simple for me to to cut the rest out but that very very first phase is so tricky but yeah one thing at a time and just um your favorite food and your favorite drink if you can cut those two things out and substitute them with something that you don't absolutely hate and you will grow to love it more I promise mm. um you know if you can if you can sort those two things out that's that's a huge part of your diet and that's a really really good beginning that's really that's a great idea is to is to just sort of say the first two weeks will be hell I'd rather people were honest with me and said oh yeah when you do that it's going to feel terrible for x number of hours days weeks mm. and then I have no expectation uh, yeah and then I can just accept okay this is the difficult bit 
Oh, definitely. And also, um, you know, do, do treat yourself. There's a lot of nice vegan treats out there. Um, and also your taste will change. This is the weird thing that nobody told me. Nobody told me my taste in food would change. So I didn't used to like dark chocolate. I thought it was horrible. And now to me, it tastes really creamy and it tastes really delicious. Mm. So a lot of um, 80%, 90% cocoa chocolate is dairy free. Most of it is. Uh, like Bourneville chocolate, for example. Mm. So I can eat that now as if it was milk chocolate, whereas a year ago I would think it was really gross. Isn't that interesting? Well, one of the other guests on the show is talking about eliminating sugar. So I'm sure we will be exploring the chocolate dilemma in that segment. <laughs> Excellent. But Layla, thank you so much. So that was milk. And who knew? If you uh, eliminate milk, dairy from your diet, you will find that really hideous black chocolate delicious and creamy. That does seem like one benefit. Moving on now to sugar. Now, Emma Stavronides very kindly uh, sat down and explained her journey. And the running theme here, and I mentioned it in the beginning, is the stimulus for doing this wasn't about weight loss, it was about good health. And in this next section, Emma talks about her journey of making the decision to, and now managing to live a life without sugar. Now, Emma Stavronides is joining me to talk about eliminating sugar from her diet, and she's actually been featured in Women's Health talking about this. Her journey is really quite interesting. So, Emma, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing this particular journey with me today. Absolute pleasure. Um, Tell me the background as to why you decided to eliminate sugar. I think I've always had quite a bad relationship to food. Um, I am not your typical person that um, gets up in the morning and just has something to eat. I think about food quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I plan food quite a lot. I suppose it all started, um, originally I had two children very, very close together. Um, I only had about 17, 18 months between them. Um, I put on a lot of weight um, due to the fact that I had some fertility treatment before my first, then had them close together. And then suffered quite badly with postnatal depression. So oh. food was, you know, um, it was something that I wasn't ready to control. Mm. Um, and it really wasn't until my youngest was two years old that I began to feel quite rubbish. Uh, went to the doctor. Doctor said, you know, you really need to look at, you know, to lose some weight. I knew I need to lose mm. some weight. Um, but my father is diabetic. And he did, the doctor did some blood tests and my blood sugar was really high. And it really scared me, um, mainly because I lost my brother in 2008 and I thought to myself, do you know what, I have a chance and I need to sort this out for me and my family. Do you mind me asking um, and I, how much yeah. weight you had gained during, over the course of those two pregnancies? Oh, I, I, I probably put on about just over five stone. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, probably just about five stone, I would say. I'd gone, for, I was um, a good size 16 going on 18, to give it some perspective. And for those obviously that can't see me, mm -hmm. um, I'm five, seven and a half, so I'm very tall. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it I can get away with. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I was at that stage where I, I couldn't really get away with it. Um, and so it was literally that night I went home and I thought, I've got to do something about it. And I thought, you know what? I need to get in control. Mm. And it wasn't to me about going on a diet because I've done the Slimming Worlds and all that kind of stuff and they're great. But mine was all about changing my mindset. 
And the only way I can help describe it, and for those people that are listening that have maybe smoked and stopped smoking, for me, it was just like giving up smoking. Wow. It was wow. cha- It was a brainwash. I needed to change the way I thought and the way that um, I ate, the way I shopped, everything. And I suppose originally, when I first started, I thought, you know what, I'm going to just clean eat Mm -hmm. I'm going to know everything that's going inside my body and I won't lie it was exhausting because I I had to retrain my brain Mm. Um, but I think what you put inside your body is 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 really is is really important and I was quite shocked at some of the products some of the things that I was eating on a daily basis that had so much sugar like bread Mm. for example Um, all this low-fat yogurts that I was eating you know had loads and loads of sugar in them so for two weeks, I said to myself, I'm going to cut out sugar, um, I cut out um, gluten, um, and I cut out dairy f- um, for a couple of days as well. But sugar lasted and has lasted for a long time. So how long is that and, Um, I definitely, after two weeks, felt completely different. Um, I had really bad rosacea on one of my cheeks that I'd never ever had before. I thought originally it was, you know, being depressed and stressed. Um, but within two weeks of me stopping sugar, um, my rosacea completely cleared up. Um, and wow. you know, people who can't actually see me, I'm, you know, I'm 41 years old. So I'm not the, you know, I haven't got like really, yes, uh, yeah, I um. I haven't got the youngest of skin, but I th- I have got quite good skin, mm. and I think a lot of it has got to do with what I eat. Mm. I'm really conscious about it, so um, I don't eat added sugar um, at all. Um, I have had chocolate. I'm not going to lie; I've obviously had chocolate, but generally, I wouldn't dream of eating a ready-made meal. Mm. Um, it doesn't even factor in my brain. So if I was going to go and buy, um, if I was on the run looking for something to eat. Um, I wouldn't dream of just picking up a sandwich because I don't know, like the mayonnaise and everything has all got sugar in it. And it, it definitely has an effect on how I feel. So that's really interesting to say that it had an effect on how you feel. Um, what, oh, we're getting a tiny bit of feedback, sorry listeners, but what, how does that manifest? Did you feel that you had a bad mood? Um, sorry, I just I didn't quite hear you, but did you say about a bad mood? Yeah, when you say it had an impact on your mood, did you would you yes. say that it was made you feel down? It made me feel down. I think if I had to choose, it made me feel sluggish. Mm. So, you know, I would if I I just felt tired all the time. I had no energy. Um now that is linked with confidence as well, because mm-hmm. we all know that if you have confidence, you have bounds of energy. Mm-hmm. So all of it is 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 terribly interlinked. But one thing I would say, and I'm sure my ex-work colleagues where I used to work said that my whole personality at work changed within a month of me changing my eating habits. They were all well uh, well aware that I changed my eating habits and they all said that my work completely changed because my mood was better and I was more sprightly um just everything really it it really had an effect and it's scary that what you put inside your body can actually do that Mm. well you think I think the thing is that we learn so many things so early and eating is one of them and I've definitely through um researching this particular podcast 
um, and also just my own personal research, I've realised that you, it's one of those things that you actually have to relearn for your health. Totally. You are taught how to eat by your parents, um, and my parents are very, very healthy. Um, but I even remember when, like, weaning my children, you will have this spoon shoved in your mouth. It's lunchtime. It's 12 o'clock. Mm. You know, um, so you do have to uh, relearn it. And I think also where you work and who you socialise with has a huge impact as well because mm. you kind of learn how they're eating. Um, we're also in a, a, you know, in an environment where it's breakfast, lunch and dinner. You know, woe betide anybody who doesn't eat lunch. Oh, great, don't eat lunch. It's one of the most important meals of the day. <laughs> you know, you know, I only eat now when I'm hungry. Mm. You know, and if I feel like a snack, I will. But most of the time, I am generally not hungry between sort of like after I've had my breakfast until about four o'clock and then I'll eat something. I'm just, that's generally how mm. my body works. So tell me a little bit about um, the initial phases of elimination. So you stop having sugar in your diet. So that means yes. that um, immediately you are probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but cooking and preparing fruit, food entirely from fresh. Yeah, I am. So um, I did buy, um, and I'm not the most domesticated, and I, it's important <laughs> for your listeners to know, is that I've got two very young kids. I work full time. I probably have about an hour in the evening in order to cook my meal. So I just want to set expectations that I don't have a huge amount of time. Um, but what I did do is um, I bought um, Madeline Shaw's book mm -hmm. and I bought Deliciously Ella's book. Um, at the time, like three, when I put this out about three years ago, they were just launching their books. Now, the reason I bought their books was simply to have recipes. Mm -hmm. So I planned my week and I did it with my husband so we knew what we were having from Monday to Friday it saved a huge amount of money on shopping bills because we we just were buying the food that we needed mm -hmm. um, and I found actually that I was able to cook these recipes within 20 minutes and a baked piece of salmon in a foil with just a couple of extra herbs made all the difference mm -hmm. kind of thing but that's something that I wasn't doing before um, what I will say though is when I started doing this elimination right at the beginning, food definitely tastes different different, uh, different now to when it first did. Okay. And I think that's a lot to do with my, like, taste buds. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of reprogramming and changing to say, you know, now I would, you know, eating a piece of uh, salmon or chicken is really exciting to me, and I, I, I think that's lovely, and I would go and order that. Well, before, I'd need something a little bit more spicy, and I'd need lots of sauces on it, yeah. and I think that was the sugar. I totally agree, and it's interesting, Layla, who I've spoken to about dairy. Sorry, again, we're getting feedback a little bit. Um, she said that her taste buds have completely changed as well, and that whereas when she in the past when she would have black chocolate, it was bitter, and now she finds it very creamy, and it's yeah. because her taste buds have completely changed. Yeah, exactly. And it's all, you know, it's, it's training. You know, I remember when I first met my husband and I didn't like olives. And I never forget my father-in-law saying to me, if you eat 15 in a row, you'll like them. <laughs> and I was like, really? And I ate 15 in a row and I do like olives. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's, you know, you just get used to, um, you get used to the taste and you can reprogram yourself uh, to want it. So uh, it's quite interesting. Did you have um, headaches or any very strong cravings? Was there a period of time where you had to really yeah. buckle in to eliminate sugar? Yeah, um, you know, eliminating anything, and when you know, even when I stopped smoking, um, I won't lie. For the first week, I had horrendous headaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hungry, um, but you know what I noticed that I'd never been hungry before. So if you think about it in your, and I'd encourage everyone who's listening, is that. If you really think about when you're hungry, are you really hungry? Mm. Because generally, our, um, you know, where we live, we're very lucky where we live. And generally, we're not always hungry. And during that first week, I was hungry. But when I ate food, it, was, it, it satisfied me and I appreciated it. And now I think back, because I was never hungry before, I was just eating can I ask you a question about that hunger um do you think you were hungry or do you think it was withdrawal because there's a lot of research that suggests that sugar is more addictive than heroin and crack cocaine so did it feel like real hunger or was it oh no it's definitely like withdrawal because you you wanted I I I wanted it Mm. um the sugar Mm. um and that's why I think in the evenings, I always crave sugar in the evenings because if I ate some food, like a ready-made meal, which had sugar in it, an hour later, I'd want a chocolate bar mm. or a biscuit. Um, so it's quite interesting if you think about when you, when you generally crave sugar, look at what you've eaten probably about two hours before, and I guarantee it's got some form of sugar in it. That's an interesting observation. Um what do you do? Have you substituted sugar in any way? If somebody was tr- thinking, right, okay, I'm gonna, I've listened to what Emma's had to say, I'm going to give it a go. Um, yeah. Is it things like just snacking on nuts help? I mean, I know nuts are kind of every nutritional therapist sort of, you know, if you need it, have a nut. Well, so it's you. funny. It's funny you say that. And if my husband listens to this, he'll <laughs> be screaming at this now, going, "She eats so many nuts." Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I do eat nuts, and if I'm totally honest with you, if you gave me a bag of cashews, I'd probably eat the whole lot, and 
um, yes, they're good fats, but not a whole bag. Mm. Um, but um, yes, I do eat a lot of nuts. The one thing that I really would love to stop is um, sweetener. So I have, I do have Diet Coke, and I do have a sweetener in my tea. Um, and that is, you know, we all know um, spartamine is not very good, and mm. it's not the great thing. That is one thing that I think I would, I would really like not to have have mm. um, in my tea. But if I'm totally honest with you, I, I personally think I've transformed my body and my mind and you can only do a couple of things at once and life is for living. And, um, you know, the same thing is that I'm sure everyone's asking me, uh, you know, wanting to ask me now, do I drink wine? Well, the answer to your question is yes. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't give, I haven't given up alcohol. I did when I was first giving up sugar. Um, but yeah, I love a glass of wine. I love gin and tonic and you know and I, I just think life is for the living mm. I think um yeah the alcohol question was one I wanted to come to because obviously when you talk about eliminating sugar yeah um you know everyone's favorite glass of restorative red is filled with sugar but you do you get um worse hangovers or anything like that because of the sugar um, do you then have more no I think when day? I no I don't no I don't get definitely don't get worse hangovers I think a lot of that's to do with me getting older and two young kids that don't really understand that getting up at six o'clock in the morning is not not the the greatest thing once you've been out but um no I don't think I get worse hangovers um the one thing I am able to control is that awful feeling when you wake up on that Sunday and you've had too much to drink and you just want a bacon sandwich ah okay which I think is quite an interesting concept so um I I wouldn't uh generally I don't wake up with a hangover and want to eat really bad food I would um, if I had a choice, I'd want to eat probably bigger por a bigger breakfast, but I would have porridge. Mm. There's no, I, I wouldn't even think about wanting a greasy fry up, for example. Um, although I must say that um, having you know uh, bacon and eggs and stuff is good for you, but um, generally I, I don't want to go out and buy a McDonald's. Right. Okay. And we all know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's awful feeling. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think, um, you know, anybody listening to this would say, oh, you know, it sounds so easy. It's not easy. Mm. Um, um, but life, when you look at things that you do and reprogramming, stopping smoking, um, you know, if you're, you know, anything, it, it, it requires willpower mm. and it requires an element of you having to do it. And that's why these quick fixes of diets don't work. Mm. Um, if you... Uh, the other thing is that if you look at your friends and the people that don't have bad relationships to food, um, you will notice that they probably only eat when they're hungry and they don't think about food all the time. I will always have a bad relationship with food. Mm -hmm. I will always um, have to concentrate on what I eat. It's just one of those things that I like to be in control of. But I think also people need to realise that you need to put an, an amount of effort into it. Mm. And we all have to be prepared that we only have one life and one body and, you know, it is what you do with it. Mm. Now, was so you eliminated sugar. You said that you eliminated gluten and dairy as well, but for a much shorter spell. Yeah. What was the initial impact physically in terms of starting to lose weight? Oh, right. Well, I'll be honest with you. I started on May the 18th. And by Christmas day, Christmas Eve, I had lost four, just over four stone. Just I lost cutting out sugar. Cutting out, yeah, cutting out sugar. 
Um, I had my fitness pal. I used to write everything down. I was, I, I just wanted to see what I was eating and putting into my body. Mm. Um, yes, that that literally is from cutting out sugar. And I lost every week. I didn't. I lost three to two pounds. Only one week during that time, I stayed the same. I didn't put on weight at all, and I didn't weigh myself. Um, my mum weighed myself, and I can guarantee <laughs> that my mum is much stricter than a Slimming World teacher. Um, but the reason that I wanted her to do it was because I wanted that. I needed to do it to give me confidence, but that wasn't why I was doing it. I was doing it to make myself and my body feel better. The bonus of it was losing weight, and mm. I knew I was going to lose weight. Mm. Um, I didn't think I was going to lose it that quickly. Um and I, I said to you uh, at the beginning that I was hungry at first. As I went on a month later, I had to, I, I, I wasn't starvingly hungry. I, I was hungry before I was about to eat, as we all should be. But I wasn't, you know, I was still going out for lunch with friends. I was, you know, it, mm. I didn't really give up on anything at all. Had you done, I mean, you said you did other diets in the past. So you'd done oh, things yeah. like Swimming World, Slimming World and what have you. This is obviously a very different thing because this isn't a diet. This is a, a lifestyle change. Yeah, of course. And yeah. I know the word diet. There are lots of nutritionists will say, well, what every anything you eat is a diet. The diet means what you consume and what have you. But do you think that because it was a lifestyle change, it's more sustainable? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, it, to be honest, with you, if there's anybody listening that is doing Slimming World, there's a lot of people in this world that make Slimming World um, a routine mm-hmm. and a lifestyle change and. If it works for them, then it works for them absolutely fine. Um, but for me, I just, I just had to, I just had to know what I was eating, mm. and I had to have, um, I had to have a reason why I was, why I was eating that way. It just do- doesn't suit me to have, you know, one day I'm allowed a certain amount of points. The other thing that I, I, I couldn't cope with was that if I was going to cut out sugar well, there's no good me saving up all my points and then having a bar of chocolate at the end of the week because you've just ruined mm. everything. And so it is a lifestyle change, but then a lot of people who will be listening will have Weight Watchers and Slimming World as a lifestyle change, which is absolutely fine. Um, but one thing I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do, I couldn't do, you know, um, I've tried them all. <laughs> I've tried everything. <laughs> I think to your point earlier, you, I think you've already nailed it. I think when you go on something like a weight loss diet or a weight loss program or you sign up for something, if it's not reprogramming your brain, if it's just giving you a quick fix that you can stick to for a certain amount of time, then inevitably when you reach the goal or what have you, you are going to slip back into your former habits. Well, totally. And it also what I find quite interesting is that I will speak to people that uh, are on a diet, mm-hmm. uh, Slipping World, and they'll go, well, you know, I lost three pounds last week, but I'm not going to lose anything next week because I'm going away for the weekend. Now, that to me is a mass warning sign. If you say you're going away for the weekend and therefore you can't stick to what you're eating, you need to relook at it because mm-hmm. I have to say that if I go out for the weekend, now, okay, I've got to, you know, I've lost my weight, I've got my body back, but I would have... I'd have chop. I'd have a piece of cake if it was my husband's birthday or my kid's birthday and stuff. But it well, doesn't mean that I go out on a weekend and completely binge. Mm. So I think if you're thinking it like that, oh, I'm not going to go and get weighed in on Monday because I went out on Saturday and I ate a hamburger and all that. My life's not like that now. But it took mm. it took 
good three, four months to reprogram my mind. So that's interesting. So those first two weeks, if someone is yeah. decides to diet, decides to cut out sugar, expect hunger. Expect, yeah, expect that hunger, be... headaches. Uh, you'll feel that something's missing. Um, you probably will feel a bit irritated. Um, I definitely felt more thirsty. Mm-hmm. Definitely felt more thirsty. Um, and I, the advice I'd give somebody is just take one day at a time. Mm. It is worth it. Get Just see two weeks at a time and you'll feel so, so much better, I promise you. So those first two weeks and then in actually in terms of reprogramming and for it to become second nature, looking at three to four months. Yes, I'd say three months. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. And could you share with me perhaps some of your favourite recipes, maybe a breakfast, lunch and dinner that I can put on the website? Yeah, of course. I mean, I uh, this morning, actually, I had, um, what did I have this morning? I had a protein pancake. Um, so I just mixed it with one egg, some egg whites, some protein pad. I went, you know, I'm going to the gym later, so I needed some protein. I had banana, had blueberries. I had some 0% yogurt as well. Um, haven't had my lunch yet, so I'm going to go and get some now. But I know that um, I'm going to have some chicken. Um, and some vegetables because I'm in the office today and then tonight um, I'm having lamb steak Mm. uh, which um, is cooked in like spices etc so nothing like really complicated in any way Um, we always as a family have a roast dinner on a Sunday because we all like sitting down together Um, so yeah so I mean it's not complicated I could definitely give you some recipes um, that we've um that I've done I made a lovely uh, lasagna the other day but made it with aubergine oh. so you lay the dish with slices of aubergine Infinite and then you pressure. put the mince on top and then you put the aubergine on top put it in the oven absolutely amazing wow so simple well I should definitely be asking you to email me that so I can put that yeah in <laughs> um thank you so much for your time and also for being so honest and um just sharing such wonderful intel it's really, yeah, really no, it's, it's an absolute pleasure. I think there's a lot of information um, out there on what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. I think just look at your own individual body mm-hmm. and do what makes you feel better. Don't feel pressurised. Um, I, you know, I, I'm the first one to say don't cut out fast. You know, I eat carbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, carbs are really important. Protein is really important, and good fats are really important. But I stick by my thing that sugar, Mm. there is really no added benefit in sugar at all. Well, I think you've definitely outlined how to go about it. If anyone is listening to this and feels like it might be a change they want to make. So thank you so much. And I'm going to put the links to your feature that was in Women's Health, which shows before and after pictures. Please do. And any other links in the show notes. But thank you, Emma, for sharing your sugar-free story. Thank you. So that's how to go about eliminating sugar if you feel that that's a lifestyle change you want to make. And Emma also includes some really brilliant insights into how it's about retraining the brain, not just doing something for a spell. Uh, Really interesting intel there. Now, finally, we move on to Lauren Naylor, who is talking to me about gluten and why she eliminated gluten from her diet. I am going to put a slight disclaimer here. Lauren eliminated gluten because of IBS. Now, the details of the IBS are she is forthcoming with. 
So if you are perhaps a little bit uncomfortable with talk of the digestive system and of bowels, may I suggest that you skip to the end. All the timestamps will be in the show notes and I will also send out a tweet. But having said that, I actually really enjoyed her candor. I really enjoyed the fact that she was so honest. And if you have ever had tummy troubles, I strongly recommend you listen um, because you may relate to some of what Lauren says. So here we go. Lauren Naylor talking all things gluten. So when I put this post out on Facebook, I had lots of replies, but perhaps the one that I enjoyed the most was the one I got from my guest, Lauren Naylor. Um, you are a uh, freelance beauty writer and you eliminated gluten for, let's, should we call it to calm or quell the storm of IBS? Absolutely, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, so it went on for a long, long time. I think I discovered um, there was something wrong with me when I was about 24 and I kept blocking toilets and I was always quite windy. I had, I sometimes looked like I was six months pregnant and do you know what, when you're younger, you just think, oh, I've put on a bit of weight or... or you just you don't question it. It's just something you wouldn't go to the doctor about. And I think that it was when I started writing for a national newspaper, and they asked me to do a detox, um, and it included uh, colonics. <laughs> and this lady said to me, um, "You've got a problem." And I was like, "Yeah, I know. Tell me about it." <laughs> <laughs> to the point that the um, the tube nearly blew out. <laughs> and um, and yet, and it was then that she said to me. <laughs> Um, I think that you need to go and get a test. At the time, it was called a bioresonance test. I can't really explain this, but you, um, someone scientific can explain this, but you hold this um, silver, oh, God, I learned the way I describe this thing. terrible, phallic thing. Right. And, um, and they get 100 different foods in liquid form, and basically the, um, what is it called? It just drops, basically, if you're allergic to anything. Right. And I was just thinking, if this is dairy, you know, I'm just going to be so upset because I can't live without cheese. But it got to beer and it just went, you know, and um, and the same with bread and everything. So it was then that I thought, okay, but I continued and I kept eating bread and I kept thinking I'd be okay and kept drinking alcohol and obviously there's gluten and the way that some alcohol's processed um you know you you still get it there's some nights that I've got really drunk and then I've been up all night my stomach has just woke me up from a deep sleep and um basically about two years ago it got to a point that it wasn't funny anymore like it just I was going on holiday and I was getting ill all the girls had to leave me on my own in a room and sleep together because we didn't know if it was gastroenteritis or it was just a really bad IBS attack. You know, we can all laugh about it. It was funny for years. There's many stories I can tell you about, well, like blocked toilets on posh boats in Monaco and and um, cleaners were literally like, oh, oh, right, okay, you know, beyond help. But then there's to the point where, you know, I was in a room on my own for two days sweating and, and being sick and stomach cramping and and I know you can get tablets in boots like Mabeverine and um, uh, Buscapan, I don't know if you know these, and they stop the cramping. But there was a point that it was just making me miserable, it was making me lethargic and I just thought what I'm eating is taking over my life and it's just, 
like the whole of last year to, to the point I got anxiety I just I couldn't go out and enjoy myself because I thought well what if I eat something and I'm going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and um so that is when I went and saw a specialist basically I've just got to apologize to anyone listening because I'm losing my voice rapidly I've got that horrible flu um so I went and saw this professor I've forgotten his name so I'm really sorry and he was referred through Bupa and um <laughs> he just sat there and said just tell me everything and the last issue I had was when we were in Turkey Istanbul and I know that basically everyone gets the trots in Turkey so I just presumed it was that mm-hmm. and um he actually said to me everything you've said to me um points to the fact that you're lonely <laughs> And do you know what? I just got a massive plump in my throat. I know I was like, well, hang on, we're talking about food and issues here. And I thought he was going to tell me. I'd had loads of tests all through this time to see if I was celiac or anything else. It never came up. You know, they took poo samples, everything. Nothing came up. And I knew it was IBS because there was obviously um, like something that was bubbling away there. And I did do a, um, a breath test. The breath test is for small intestine bacterial overload nothing came back from that but right at the end my levels went crazy so they said yeah there's something there is something wrong it's definitely definitely IBS so um yeah basically I know this sounds really weird but yeah he said I was lonely and it was a bit of anxiety and obviously we hold a lot a lot of emotions in our stomach so Mm -hmm. you know maybe where I was getting panicked thinking oh what if I eat something and what if I drink something and what's going to happen I think I was getting myself in a bit of a tears. But anyway, long and short of it is, it's 100% gluten. If I had a plate of pasta, I'd have really painful cramps. I'd be bloated. You know, the worst case is that I'd be on the toilet um, for hours. <coughs> Since I've been taking these probiotics, which I will go and read what they are in a minute, and I'll tell you, they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lady called Linda Booth that I took her. Um, it was a mix of probiotics and... Um, I can't remember what else they were, but it's like a starter pack. That helped me a lot. So that is Linda Booth. I think she's got a page on Facebook. And then he recommended these ones. You can actually get them in boots. They're about 20 quid a month. Get them off Amazon, whatever. They really, I don't know if it was in my head. Mm-hmm. They really, really sorted me out. So anyway, I really, really got strict. I changed my diet. I started having the horrible cardboard gluten-free bread. And just so everyone knows, um, the best one that I found is M&S. It's like a, um, it's a sliced one, and it's really, really good. It actually tastes like real bread. I've tricked people into this Dove's Farm pasta, and they don't even know it's gluten-free. It's made with rice. Um, that's brilliant. You can't tell. In fact, I'd say it's probably better than normal pasta. It's not as heavy, and you can digest it easier. I think a lot of people, I'm going to call Folden, <coughs> um, can't process bread very well anyway it sits really badly same with pasta <coughs> we're not meant to I don't think and um and I just think some people are really embarrassed as well to go to the doctor and be like I keep you know getting an upset stomach I mean if I look back it kept happening every time I was due on because I was craving um you know really greasy fatty like I don't know chicken sandwich or something and at that point you know it's breaded chicken it's bread um everything in it is just wrong and at the worst points and I remember I was having a sunbed once yes this is a long time ago I do not um you know have sunbeds anymore they're very bad for you (laughs) and um 
and I suddenly was in a hot sunbed and I suddenly went freezing cold and I got out and I was like sweating and and I was just like oh my god what's happening to me and then um and then my friend had to drive me home I had my head out the window in the freezing cold I was like (sighs) it sounds really ridiculous but it felt like food poisoning that's Mm. what really bad IBS is like and um she got me home I stripped all my clothes off um my period came shortly after and it was just linked together I think I took cocodamol and knocked myself out mm. basically and woke up naked on the floor but that was quite normal that was yeah. um, it sounds ridiculous and I don't I don't think people talk about IBS and and how bad it is but I promise you that is at the worst what an IBS attack was like mm. so anyway I'll shut up now <laughs> no I, I can relate to some of that I haven't had quite exactly the same experience but definitely had IBS attacks over the year the most famous being when I ate when I was in New York with my brother um we went out and had something to eat and as is the case in New York you're suddenly met with one of those places where you can get every single cuisine in the, in the world on one of those long deli counters so you have something of everything and then um we, we, went, we were walking through Manhattan and I said we need to find a loo now and the, I could see Bloomingdale's <laughs> And I sprinted as fast as my heavy, thick-thighed legs would take me, ran into the Bloomingdale's ground floor, completely didn't know where I was, ran up to a help desk and went, where are the ladies? And she said, ladies lingerie, ladies leisure wear, ladies shoes. And I went, the toilets! And then when I got there, there was a massive queue and I actually had to scream, this is an emergency, I need to jump the queue. And so... That's my experience of Bloomingdale's. <laughs> no, no, that's not good at all. But you know what? Yeah, now you're, you're making me think back to old experiences like charging through McDonald's. I don't know if you've ever seen that scene in um, White Chicks. It cracks me up because it's me. And when he basically, he's eating these things, he goes, has this got wheat in it? And they're like, uh, yeah, it's quiche. And he's like, <laughs> and you hear his stomach go, and he's like, move, bitch. And he like knocks everyone out of the way. That is just me. Like I've literally done that in McDonald's it's my favorite scene but you know you've got to laugh about it or you will cry because Mm. at the worst points at three o'clock in the morning when you've got no one that is going to help you and sit in a toilet with you and you don't know how long these episodes are going to go on you know it's cramp after cramp all I can say and relate it to is like having food poisoning Mm. but I think if anyone's listening and they've had these random episodes like go and see your doctor go and get tested because I like suffered with it for 12 years and I just accepted like I was saying to you earlier that I was just someone that was really farty you know and it's not (laughs) at all I had an allergy an actual allergy and like I really hope that my boyfriend doesn't hear us but I've oh no actually no (laughs) he never ever heard me you know passing wind or anything like that and everyone always um takes the pee out of me for being that person that does it and and he just thinks I'm this complete princess but actually just after Christmas I couldn't believe I got through Christmas last year was when I really took action because I love those um, pigs in blankets and obviously they've got wheat in them I ate about 20 and everyone laughs at me because they're my favorite thing I was so ill I spent two weeks after Christmas just crying just fed up and that was sort of when I took action mm. and really wanted to get it sorted this Christmas, absolutely fine, but I did have one day, I don't know what crept into my food, I don't know what it was, and, um, oh, this is so rude, I'm just so sorry that I'm going to say this, but basically I was sat in bed and I just thought, um, I'm, ju- I'm just going to let this one go, you know, you're just not going to make a noise, <laughs> but boy, <laughs> did it smell, 
and <laughs> all I could say is dog food. And then two minutes after, I ran to the toilet. I was sweating from my knees. I, I was literally freezing cold. I had a towel around me, and I, and he thought he would have to call an ambulance. This girlfriend that has never even burp let alone you know pass wind that smells like dog food he's standing at the door like looking at me gray but this is ibs this is what happens if you have an allergy to food and i really feel sorry for celiacs because you know they can't even get a sniff of gluten or um you know it, it's really really bad for them at least we can control it so anyway back to it steering it back and forth um Terrible. How did you go about eliminating gluten? Because this podcast certainly isn't saying that one should just, on a whim, eliminate either dairy, sugar or gluten. It's about, is there something in your health that's perhaps not as you would like it to be? And could one of these three things potentially help? So for you, how did you go about eliminating it? Because gluten's in a lot of stuff. Oh my goodness, yeah. But like I said to you earlier, if it was dairy, I would have been really upset because I do, you know, love my lattes, my cheese and everything like that. The way I look at it is, yeah, you've got to have quite bland food. You know, you go out and have steak and chips, but you have to check that the chips have not been cooked in, you know, the same oil that something else has. Generally, chips are okay. Rice is all good, things like that. Morning's quite hard because obviously loads of cereals. You're going to have to get your gluten-free bread. I'm very naughty because I get a lot of gluten-free bra uh, bras, bars, <laughs> and um, so for breakfast, I'm probably eating a lot more sugar than I normally would because I'm having these bars that have, you know, got chocolate, mm. flapjack bars, whatever. Um, but I have to say, um, also, I, I cut out alcohol because I just didn't know if the alcohol was doing it as well. And loads of weight fell off. Like everyone would say to me, oh my God, look at you, you're so skinny. I weighed myself the other day. I used to just have this swollen, bloated belly all the day. You can do, all the day, all the time, you can do as much exercise as you want. And if, you know, if, I don't really understand how it works, but if it's, if you're bloated and holding loads of water there, mm. you know, you're just going to look awful. You, you can run as much as you want. You've just got this big, swollen belly it's just not worth it is it and I mean I did exercise at that point but I've been really lazy recently <coughs> and I've lost um three kgs I mean I was about 56 when I last was weighed at the doctor just checked the other day out of interest and I'm 53 and that is like skinnier than age ago that's like ridiculous I can't believe it and that is just cutting out gluten and alcohol um so and I I did drink a lot of alcohol I'm not gonna lie <laughs> Um, how old are you now? Because I know you said that in your 20s you really suffered with the IBS and didn't ever check in with the GP or anything. Um, I'm 36 now and it, yeah, it was sort of 24 when I realised. But um, I got to a point, it gave me a really bad relationship with food as well, that because I wouldn't go to a doctor or you just wouldn't think to go to the doctor, um, I was like, right, I'm just only going to eat vegetable soup now. So I'd eat vegetable soup and a big slab of brown bread. <laughs> Little did I know it was the brown bread. <laughs> and um, and I wouldn't eat meat. I, I, I started to think that it was just me that got food poisoning all the time. To the point I, I had a really weird, weird relationship with my boyfriend. So if I ate something, he had to have a bite of the meat I was eating. <laughs> I know it sounds really silly and I still sometimes it comes out now because I'm just like, I, can't, I still can't really enjoy food 
does it make sense that I, I just I'm scared that it's gonna something's gonna trigger it. So mm. I might be eating a steak and he might be having a bit of fish, and I'll be I'll be like, oh, do you want to try a bit of my steak? But it's not because I want him to try my steak. It's just in case I get ill and then he could get ill too. But obviously, steak's not gonna make me ill unless it was cooked in flour. So mm. don't worry about that. <laughs> so what? Do you I am with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've covered before, and I think we'll do a deeper podcast on actually emotional relationships with food because. Um, we all have one and some of them aren't healthy. Yeah. Um, with, uh, with the, having this gluten-free diet, if somebody is listening to this and they really identify with those IBS symptoms and they've tried other things and perhaps they want to give it a go, um, would you say that, uh, it's easy? Um, I'll be honest with you. If you can find M and S, do such a good range, mm-hmm. and if you can find um, decent items, yeah, you won't find it struggle at all. Because if you had toast for breakfast every day, you're just replacing it with something that is, you know, really similar. Um, I think it's called a boule or something. The, the M and S one that I was going on about is a sliced one. In fact, all of them are fine. Um, I, I can't remember the one that's really horrible, but I, I really hope my friend's not listening. But um, she got me some crumpets, and the crumpets are not good. They mm. haven't got those quite right yet, so don't don't eat crumpets. But she was sitting there eating sausage sandwich when I went up to visit her, and I got these crumpets that all I they just left this disgusting chalky aftertaste and I had to watch her eating a sausage bat while I had my horrible <laughs> crumpets so avoid crumpets at all costs so but did you look yeah, for, it's, it's, did you look for alternatives sorry. as opposed to just thinking well I just won't I'll find my um that kind of bready sensation I'll find that somewhere else you actually sought out alternatives just gluten-free version um yeah I don't think I was ever a massive bready person and I think that's a lot a lot of the gluten thing isn't it the cakes and the bread and whatever so I just get my fix with I suppose chocolate I I find that I'm eating a lot more sweet stuff so yeah I guess that's what I'm replacing it with chocolate and more chocolate (laughs) or crisp (laughs) interesting um did you notice I mean health wise other than sort of losing that bloat which is obviously really important was there anything else that came with it? The girls who I've spoken to about dairy and sugar talk about almost having like clearer thoughts, almost being slightly less sluggish. Did you have a similar experience? Um, yeah, I, I think where I was sluggish, I was tired all the time. I was, I was, my friends would tell you last year, I was such a miserable bitch. And, um, and I think a lot of it was linked to that, to be honest with you. And I do feel a lot more sprightly. I do a lot more with my days. I think I just you know, it was just lazy and procrastinating and just, yeah, not really getting anything done. I still have days like that, you know, we all have days like that. But, yeah, I think you're right. Now I look back, I didn't really look into it like that, but I just feel so much happier. The first few days in January, this sounds so weird, I woke up smiling and I was thinking, am I a weirdo? Like, you know, I just was <laughs> like, I'm happy because I feel like everything's on track again. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that's that's a big thing ticked off my list that I don't have to worry about it's just a constant worry you know yeah it is a worry if you think that your tummy can go at any minute especially socializing becomes really quite yeah you can't relax you just can't relax at all actually I was going to add you know it's really good that I do all my online shopping and they've got the sections the free from section so it is really easy when you're like doing your shopping you're like okay this is all the options I've got for breakfast so 
I'm going to say goodbye to my croissants or whatever, and I'm going to attempt to try the gluten-free croissant. you just got to keep going until you find something that does satisfy you because, you know, they're trying, they're constantly evolving with the, the new... Um, I mean, even restaurants are so good now. They have separate menus for you, like ZZ's, and, um, and I feel a bit special when I get that menu, but... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I've got this special uh, CZ's thingy, but everywhere will cater for you now. You know, it's like um, what's the sushi restaurant? Uh, Rocco. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't necessarily have a gluten free thingy, but they will just give you your own. Um, you know, it's in soy sauce. You don't realise it's in gravy. Mm-hmm. It's, um, a lot of it is in sauces, so they just cook you everything quite plain. It's not going to be as exciting as the other sushi, but. You know, you can go there and you can have a meal without going home and spending the rest of the night on the bog. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you. I really appreciate you explaining your process because I think you're right. I had a previous podcast guest, Eve Kalinic, a nutritional therapist, who said that she um, often gets people who go and see her for the first time about their tummies and they will as you did, realise, oh yeah, I've probably been having tummy, tummy, tummy problems for about 10 years, and people do just live with it. We're not saying, yeah. that, we're not saying that eliminating gluten is the answer to all tummy, tummy problems, but obviously in no. your case it's been a revelation. Yes, it absolutely has, but um, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to go to your doctor, you could go to some um, a clinic, you know, there's food testing places all over now, Um you know, just Google IBS symptoms and, it, and if a few of those come up, then you know that you need to go and have, I think it's, yeah, like I said, a bi- this was a long time ago, bioresonance test, there's the York test, I'm not sure how effective that is, but there's somewhere you can send your hair off and and they can eliminate what it is, but yeah, it's just, it really has changed, um, it sounds so cheesy, it's changed my life, but it has, it really has. Oh, and I really appreciate you sharing your story, thank you so much. And all your links and any links to the things that you mention will be in the show notes. But thank yeah. you for telling us about your gluten-free life. <laughs> no worries. And I hope that I can help anyone that suffers with um, any of the same symptoms that I used to. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Real women talking about eliminating Dairy, sugar and gluten. Now, whether you actually need to eliminate any of those things, that's up to you to find out. Be it going to your GP, be it going to a nutritional therapist, or maybe just being honest with yourself about how you feel after eating certain foods. But there's no doubt that talk of cutting these things out of one's diet is everywhere. If it is something that you decide to do, This podcast is a resource with real women accounts of how people have gone about it. And I really hope that you found it useful. If you did, let me know. If you have any feedback, get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Emma Gums, or you can email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any other topics that you would like me to approach in a similar way, then again, get in touch with the show. Let me know and I will make it happen. Thanks for listening. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 